0: All right. Good morning. Good morning, beautiful people. My name is Sansara Taylor, and I want to welcome you this morning to The Michael Slate Show. And I'm very happy to be with you this morning. We have a great show. We are going to be getting into what a real revolution is and the need for the poetic spirit, the importance of this, if you're going to guide a revolution and what a revolution should really be all about and for, for all of humanity, humanity. We're going to hear from Bob Avakian from his historic interviews um, last fall about this that I had the honor to conduct. So that'll be in the middle of the show. We are going to look at the indictment of Vladimir Putin by the International Criminal Court for war crimes and talk about the howling hypocrisy of the USA. USA, number one in war crimes and crimes against humanity, number one in imperialist global domination and plunder. And we're going to get into the harm of the so-called uh, wokesters or the the wokeism on the left, the so-called left, uh, and the reality of what this is and how it actually has a lot in common with the fascists who are always railing against it, even though it takes very different political expressions. We're going to get into that and uh, quite a bit more throughout the hour. I'm going to save a few minutes at the end to take your calls. So we've got a packed show, a really rich show. Uh, but I use the word revolution and we're going to use it frequently throughout this episode and we do it every week and people mean different things by that. So I wanted to start this hour with an excerpt from my interview Uh the interview I did together with Andy Z with the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian, where he answers this question. Let's listen. So you've dedicated your whole life, over decades, to making revolution and emancipating humanity, and I want to talk about revolution. It's a word that people throw around all the time, and people mean radically, very wildly different things when they use it. What is a real revolution, and why is that necessary?
1: Well, it's not a new a new variation of Charmin toilet paper. Okay, that's, that's the first thing we can say. You know, it's it's not a change just in the culture to be more serious. It means that you actually overthrow the existing system and replace it with a different system. That's what an actual revolution is. And yes, you know, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of people, I remember, you know, after the, I think it was Parkland shooting, you know, there was mm-hmm. big rallies that were held and one of the students from there, you know, got up to speak at one of these big rallies and the first thing he said was, welcome to the revolution, because there were, you know, large numbers, masses of people there. Well, masses of people are, are one important ingredient of a revolution. You don't make a revolution with a handful of people. You need, you know, millions of people, ultimately, to make a revolution. But the question is, what are those people fighting for? What are they aiming for? Are they aiming just to make changes within the existing system, or are they actually recognizing that you cannot bring about a positive resolution of all these different horrors that exist in this country and we could go through them, but in the world as a whole. You know, you cannot bring about a positive resolution to that an elimination of all that within the confines of this system. That is another scientifically determined evidence-based truth. And so, therefore, a revolution means that you overthrow the system in order to, you know, bring into being a completely different foundation in how the economy functions, different relations among people that are not oppressive, a different culture that instead of reinforcing all this garbage and oppression, actually reinforces emancipating relations among people and emancipating ideas among people, you know. and. All the political structures also are are transformed in order to serve the further transformation of society to uproot all the underlying basis for all this exploitation and oppression. That's a revolution. Nothing short of that is an actual revolution.
0: Okay, so that was the voice of Bob Avakian revolutionary leader and author of the new communism a whole new framework for human emancipation somebody with incredible heart and soul and determination to get humanity free we are going to be hearing more from him later in the hour but i think that's important because as as we both got into in that excerpt and he did much more fully revolution is a word that is misused and abused but it has real meaning and liberatory meaning and we have to know what it is we're talking about and what's needed in terms of the Full many sidedness, the, the totality of what is required in overthrowing the current system and building a radically different system, a new economy, new institutions, new laws, new culture. Um, and Bob Avakin's actually authored a constitution that lays out how that would be done after this current system has been brought down through that overthrow. So, again, we'll come back to him in a little bit. but. Why do we need a revolution? What kind of world are we living in? In the last week, we have been hearing a lot about the International Criminal Court indicting Vladimir Putin for war crimes. This has been huge news. It's important news. But it's also been broadcast in a very one-sided way in this country. I want to go to Rafael Kadaris, a member of the Revolution Nothing Less team, getting into how we should really understand this question of war crimes. Let's listen.
2: Last week, the International Criminal Court, the ICC, issued an arrest warrant for Russian President Putin.
3: The International Criminal Court has issued two warrants of arrest in the Ukraine situation. For Vladimir Putin, President of the Russian Federation, and for Maria Lvovabelova, for the alleged war crimes of deportation of children from Ukrainian occupied territories into the Russian Federation.
2: There does seem to be evidence that Russia has carried out abductions of children, as well as other war crimes during the Ukraine war, including targeting and killing tens of thousands of Ukrainian civilians.
3: He's clearly committed war crimes.
2: But wait a minute, who's calling who a war criminal? Let's start with the glaring irony that this ICC arrest warrant for war crimes was issued on March 17th, just two days before the 20th anniversary of the US invasion of Iraq a completely unprovoked war of aggression based on blatant lies that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction and was linked to Al-Qaeda.
3: Weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction.
2: Weapons of mass destruction. Iraq has weapons of
3: mass destruction.
2: Joe Biden played a key role not only in voting for this war, but in spreading the lies used to justify it. In
3: Iraq and Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda, Iraq.
2: Al Qaeda, which is now in Iraq. Al Qaeda, Iraq. Saddam Hussein and Al Qaeda. This criminal invasion and the brutal occupation that followed led to the deaths of over 300,000 people directly in the fighting and another 600,000 people at least from the destruction caused by the war. Over four and a half million people were driven from their homes. And as horrific as these statistics are, they don't fully capture the horror of what the US did to the Iraqi people. They raided people's houses, beat them, humiliated them, raped them, and yes, killed them on routine patrols.
0: A civilian jury in Western Kentucky convicted Green of raping the teenager shown here as a young girl, as well as conspiracy and multiple counts of murder. At this house on March 12, 2006, Green allegedly shot and killed the teen's mother, father and sister, and then became the third soldier to rape the girl before shooting her in the face. Her body was set on fire at the home, about 20 miles south of Baghdad. Inside the house, splattered bloodstains cover the floor and walls. Green told the judge he merely followed orders from other soldiers involved in the attack.
2: They surrounded Fallujah, cut off food and water to the city of 300,000 people, dropped cluster bombs and white phosphorus chemical weapons both of which are illegal under international law. And then they laid waste to the entire city, destroying mosques, schools, bridges, power plants, train stations, sanitation and telephone systems. In Haditha, rampaging US Marines spent five hours going door to door, executing 24 men, women and children, including a two year old.
0: They burst into houses, killing 24 people. But they were all unarmed, five were children. The names they wrote to practice their handwriting are still on the walls.
2: The U.S. threw thousands into prisons where military police and CIA carried out sadistic torture, including sexual torture. To this day, the Iraqi people continue to suffer the after effects of this towering crime against humanity. And this is just one of countless American crimes. Here we have hypocrisy on top of hypocrisy not only is the president of the world's number one crime syndicate accusing others of war crimes, he's celebrating the justice of the International Criminal Court that the U.S. is not even a signatory of. In fact, the U.S. has attacked the ICC for decades. And in 2017, when the ICC finally concluded that it had enough evidence to show that U.S. forces had committed torture in Afghanistan, as well as in secret CIA black sites around the world, U.S. officials denounced the court and revoked the visa of the chief prosecutor. The United States is not a party to the ICC. We will take all necessary measures to protect our citizens from this renegade, unlawful, so-called court. Yet now, Biden and others in the U.S. ruling class find this international criminal court to be a legitimate authority, as long as it only prosecutes the U.S.'s enemies, like Russia. As the former slave and freedom fighter Frederick Douglass famously said, For revolting barbarity and shameless hypocrisy, the U.S. reigns without a rival.
0: All right, that is Rafael Caderas And... It is so true what he is saying. We are so bombarded, so brainwashed in this country to think America is the good guys, that the U.S. soldiers and military out there fighting, bombing, terrorizing, kicking down doors, carrying out war crimes and crimes against humanity are the good guys. We're indoctrinated to to say thank you for your service. Um, and it it just saturates the culture. But What is the—who's being served here? It's the American empire. And when you are thanking those troops for their service, what you're really doing is thanking them for their dirty work. Out there serving this empire so you can have all your goodies in this country and then be brainwashed by the mainstream media and too much of the so-called progressive media telling you that, uh, yeah, the U.S. is the good guys, that the real criminals are the others out there, Vladimir Putin and others. And, yes, Putin is a criminal. But let's not be selective. Let's not be selective. Let's be consistent and let's recognize who has committed the crimes on the greatest level throughout humanity right now and over, you know, the American century, as it's been called, because of the level of U.S. plunder. So I want to thank Raphael for that. It's so important to put it in perspective. We're going to take just a moment here with a musical interlude, uh, Scorpio Rising by 10,000 Maniacs. (laughs) mind you that you are listening to The Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I am your guest host. I want to move now to a more substantive excerpt from the interviews that Andy Z and I did with Bob Avakian last fall and some introductory words from Andy Z about what it was like to do these interviews and the significance of them. So let's listen.
3: Last fall, Sara and I had the extraordinary opportunity to interview Bob Avakian on the RNL Revolution Nothing Less show. These interviews are available on our YouTube channel at YouTube slash TheRevComs. As an article that's on our website, revcom.us observed, quote, What is concentrated in these interviews is objectively a game changer. There is simply no one and nothing else like this, and any decent, honest, intellectually curious person who cares about the state of the world and watches these will be transformed. Bob Avegin B.A. goes at so many different urgent questions unrehearsed with science, passion, and a whole lot of clarity. He wields science, applying the scientific method and the approach of the new communism to solving the excruciatingly and seemingly unsolvable problems that are confronting humanity. He breaks down and brings alive the problem that we face in the system we live under. That's at the root of all that we face from the danger of nuclear war. All this ridiculous
1: stuff, people sticking their heads down or, you know, I stay in my own lane. You know, you think if there's a
3: nuclear war, it won't touch your lane? To what this system does to black and brown youth.
1: The mass shooting of black people, Latinos, and Native Americans by police is way bigger than any individual. You have to think in big terms about how are we going to deal with these big problems that are way bigger than any individual.
3: The scope of these talks is nothing less than the whole world. Bob Avakian goes at these questions like nobody else. He speaks to and challenges the youth brought up in the vicious world who learn to mimic the big-time gangsters who run this country with tragic and heartbreaking consequences.
1: There's this whole notion that, you know, if you, if you aren't f***ing over somebody else, you're weak. The choices are not being the fucker or being fucked over. The choices are being enslaved or emancipated.
3: He speaks of the import of beauty in the natural world and in art. Why do we appreciate Shakespeare as well as art and literature from around the world?
1: The kind of world we're aiming for is not one where that kind of beauty is discounted or, you know, suppressed, but one where the human being's need for that is given much fuller expression.
3: This comes alive in funny childhood and high school memories with deep lessons for today.
1: I consider like one of the great things about Berkeley was that it only has one public high school. And so when you go to that public high school, you know, you're thrown together with everybody.
3: He doesn't shirk from the harsh reality that is bearing down on us with the future hanging in the balance as the system of capitalism and imperialism takes us to the edge of nuclear annihilation and climate catastrophe. He breaks down the workings of the system so vividly and clearly that at one and the same time, someone without much education can understand it. And someone with a whole lot of schooling is compelled to confront the actual reality that is the system at the root of what we face today. Most of all, the interviews bring that we don't have to put up with any of this. A radically different and far better world through a real revolution to overthrow this system is possible. Speaking particularly of the heightened danger of nuclear war, B.A. says, quote, We can no longer afford to allow these imperialists to rule over us. They need to be overthrown as soon as possible. By the time you get to the end of these three interviews, you feel this possibility, even if you never considered it before. This last weekend, we had a chance to talk with some people about these interviews, and a young person who watched the interviews and is now working with one of the revolution clubs minced no words when she said that the BA interviews are an intervention in this rare time when the future hangs in the balance, a moment when revolution could be possible. The interviews, she said, is why I'm here. Well, let me be equally direct. When we make the case on this show that the roadmap for this moment is one of either a truly terrible future, even existential, or something truly emancipating, the latter future, the future where we could get beyond all the degradation, exploitation, oppression, war, destruction, requires a real revolution. And this revolution requires you and millions more to get into it. And the invitation, the introduction, the feeling and the substance of the future that is possible, the society, the world that really could be, all that is what BA brings in these interviews. And for this reason, there's a need for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands to watch these interviews now, now. For this to happen requires sharp and persistent struggle against all the ways of thinking that hold people back. What B.A. does in the interviews, what we do on this show, is take off the blinders. We expose the reality behind the facade, strip away the mirror of the me, me, me that is embedded in the phone. Take what B.A. brings. Take what we bring in this show and be a part of shaking and waking people up. Provoke them, challenge them, inspire them to see how they are... Thinking about things is not how things actually are. America's not the good guys. When the police murder our youth over and over again, they are just doing their job. They are not there to serve and protect anything but the system. Thinking that you have your own reality is absolutely ridiculous. Reality is reality for everyone. There is no savior from heaven or the Democratic Party coming to save you. We face a system. It hasn't been forever and it need not be forever watch these interviews with baba vakin feel it and come to know what really could be we have said that these interviews are full of heart and soul and hardcore for revolution and over the last several weeks on the rnl show we have shown parts of the interviews on war on abortion on the youth on the liberation of women and the emancipation of humanity today we want to show you the heart and soul of BA and what that says about the kind of revolution he is leading, the kind of movement that we are building, the kind of people that all of us strive to be today and really could be in a radically new society.
0: So with that as context and introduction from Andy Z, let's go to the interviews that Andy and I did with Bob Avakian. You'll hear Andy's voice again, this time from last fall, sitting down with Bob Avakian.
3: Well, you've already uh, taken us to what we wanted to end the first interview with you on the show and by singing, I think, at least three times on this <laughs> show, which, is, which has been great, because what we wanted to, to do is in, the, in 2003, you gave a talk that we call The Revolution Talk, and I don't know, hours into it, all of a sudden, you burst into song, uh, a Ry, Ry Cooter song, Across the Borderline.
1: Now, my voice is hoarse, but I'm going to give this a try. <laughs> There's a land So I've been told
3: And then uh, later on, decade later, I guess the, the band Outer National took that and put it into a, into a song that we've played many times on the show There's a land So I've been
4: told Every street is paved with gold And it's just
3: The borderline. The borderline. And then you've also spoken, see so you've taken a lot of things out from uh, what we, <laughs> so I just want to make sure everybody sees this. Uh, we were just talking before about, these are 45 records, yeah. okay? Uh, this is, uh, vinyl's not coming back in this form. But look, this is your memoir, From Ike to Mal and Beyond, My Journey from Mainstream America to Revolutionary Communist. But there you are with the record. So, and you just spoke about the influence of the culture, uh, black culture. But we wanted to, uh, wanted to ask you about this, because you've written and, and talked about how, if you don't have a poetic spirit, or at least a poetic side, it 's very dangerous for you to lead a Marxist movement or be the leader of a socialist state. This question of the poetic side, and you 've written about, including to people of our uh, the, the, you know who 've not had a formal education, the importance of Shakespeare and how you can understand that you 've spoken some already today, tonight about the influence of black music on you, but poetry, literature, these are things that have had a big influence on you so we wanted to ask you two things. One, how did this shape you, who you are? And then more, why does it matter to have a poetic spirit to lead a revolution?
1: Well, you see, you held up that memoir cover, and you see that, that, that tells you what, at the time, I thought looked cool. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: so you can, you can draw your own conclusions about that. What does it reflect about the times, and perhaps about me at the time, too? But, uh, to well, you
3: missed a whole discussion here last night about the Beach Boys and then, then what happened in the move to black culture and all, all the developments. But well, that's,
1: I'm sorry I missed it. Sounds, yeah. great, sounds interesting. But to, to get to your question, look, I think human beings need, this is a point that's been made, but it, you know, it's important to keep coming back to this, human beings need to be amazed that's part of what it means to be human you know you get amazed when you see a, an amazing painting or a cultural performance or something someone does in athletics you know and it, it, the, you get a certain joy from being amazed at some, especially in a positive way and this is you know this is one element of it but more generally human beings have a need for beauty and beauty comes in many different forms. It comes in nature, it you know, and yes, different people do find different things beautiful, but still there's a need for beauty. It comes in nature, it comes in music, it comes in poetry, it comes in literature generally, you know, it comes in many different forms. You know, a sunset and so on and so forth. If the kind of world we're aiming for is not one where that kind of beauty is discounted or, you know, suppressed but one where the human beings need for that is given much fuller expression and a lot of that is suppressed in people you know life is so hard for so many people and things are so bitter that they don't you know and they they're scuffling so hard they don't even have the chance to enjoy much beauty though they do find ways even so so, you know, the kind of world we're aiming for is a world where the human ability to, you know, appreciate beauty in many different forms would give you, would be given much fuller expression. And that links up with the question. You know, there's also beauty in the in the intellectual realm. There's a, look at this, uh, you know, telescope and what mm-hmm. it's showing us about the universe. There's beauty in that. There's wonder in that. You know, is, is, isn't that important for human beings to have a full life? You know, and, you know, the same, the same when, you're, when you're, you know, trying to solve a problem. Not just a political problem, but, you know, uh, trying to understand a phenomenon in nature, and then you finally do understand it. It's a very exhilarating experience. The same is true in literature, like, you know, you mentioned Shakespeare. Well, you know, a lot of Shakespeare language is archaic. It means it's outdated. It means language that people all would have understood generally at the time, but not all of it, not even most of it. But some of it is language that we no longer use. You know, most people don't go around saying forsooth and so on and so forth, you know. And there are other expressions that are even, you know, more abstract to people or, you know, unfamiliar to people now. But there's a lot of beauty in the language of Shakespeare. And let's be clear. There are a lot of dead people who are not white, who have also created a lot of beauty in the world, and too much of that has been suppressed. But there are also dead white men who have created a lot of beauty, and we should not be prevented from enjoying that as well. And Shakespeare is one of them. The language is beautiful. You know, I, I, as I said in my memoir, I enjoy puns. There are all kinds of puns in Shakespeare. Some of them are better better than others. But you know, there are all kinds of humor, you know, there's uh, there's even even you know um, malapropisms, which means you know misusing or you know a, a word, saying a, saying a word wrong, or you know you know like uh, you know I remember one, I think it's in Macbeth, the play Macbeth, which by the way was a favorite of Huey Newton. He used to quote Act five, scene five, <laughs> Macbeth, "Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in its petty pace from day to day, etc." You know but in but earlier in there there's a scene where there's this drunken gatekeeper at one of the castles and he goes he opens the gate and he starts rambling on and on and at one point he says compare and he makes a comparison he says but comparisons are odorous now it's actually supposed to be comparisons are odious odious means hateful but he's drunk and he does a malapropism he says but after all comparisons are odorous means they stink you know <laughs> so you know even things like that are you know I, I get a kick out of it you know it's funny you know it's it's a good use of a malapropism you know it's a good use of language you know and distorting language for the purpose of humor you know and different people like different poets you know the modern poetry poetry from the romantic period you know I happen to like Keats as I was growing up I found the, the language very evocative you know, it made me think about a lot of things. And it also just, it, it, it created a certain feeling. Beyond just, you know, the, what it made me think about, it created a certain feeling. You know, uh, bright star, were I as steadfast as thou art? You know, just looking at a star and saying, okay, this star is, you know, seems to have a lot of constancy. It's there all the time. You know, would that I could be as firm as that. You know, just, you know, things like that that you know make you think make you feel if you don't have an appreciation for that then when you turn to politics you're going to tend to be very dogmatic and and you're going to be very dry and nobody's going to live in any kind of world that you have anything to do with setting the terms of at least i certainly wouldn't and i don't think most people would so this is what i mean when i say you know you don't have to write poetry that's not my point but, you know, you have to have an appreciation for beauty in all these different kinds of ways, in or else you're not aiming for the kind of society that we need to be aiming for, where human beings can really thrive in the fullest way and in the fullest
0: dimensions. Okay, so that was the end of the first of three major interviews that Andy Z and myself did with Bob Avakian last fall on Real Revolution in the Poetic Spirit, and there's there's so much that he explored there about what needs to be opened up, what is the human impulse that's so squashed under this system and under previous systems of, of domination and exploitation, and what could be unlocked even more fully um, through a real revolution, a communist revolution, the new communism that he has re-envisioned. In a little while, we're going to open up the phone lines. I'd love to hear what that prompted in your thinking, questions you have, uh, inspiration you drew from that differences, any of it. Uh, So in a little while, as I said, you could react to that. Also to the segment from Rafael Cadera's about U.S. war crimes and howling hypocrisy on this 20th anniversary week of the Iraq War that devastated that country and really set that whole region on fire. I want to, before moving forward, play you the full song that was excerpted in that segment of the interview with Bob Avakian, the Outer National song, where they sampled Bob Avakian singing um, during one of his epic speeches. This is Across the Borderline. It's the Rye Cooter song covered by Outer National featuring Bob Avakian.
4: Every street is paved with gold, and it's just across the borderline. And when it's time to take your turn, here's a lesson you must learn you will lose more than you'll ever hope to find. And when you reach the broken, promised land, every dream slips through your hand. And you know it's too late to change your mind. you paid the price to come this far just to wind up where you are and you still just across. crawl Just to wind up where you are. And you still, just across the borderline.
0: Okay, that is Ray Cooter's song performed by Outer National featuring Bob Avakian. And you can thank me uh, for not succumbing to the urgings of our engineer here, Gary And joining in singing for you there. I sang along in studio, but we did not broadcast that. And uh, it would have not been nearly as uh, powerful as what you just heard. But we are happy to be here singing along with you. So... uh As I said before, we're going to open the phone lines in just a few minutes for you to react to all of what you have heard. But we have one more piece I want to bring you before we open up the lines. Um, Let me remind you, you're listening to The Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I'm your guest host. And we've been getting into uh, last week, this week, we're going to do it again, and we're going to be doing it going forward. The incredible damage being done by this wokeism among progressive people, especially young people. And I guess I could say more, but I say it in this segment. Let's dive into the segment. You'll hear from me about this, and then we'll open up the lines on the other end. Last week, rabidly conservative author and commentator Bethany Mandel was promoting her new book, which dedicates an entire chapter to calling out wokeness when she was asked a simple question to define what she meant by woke. In a clip that, as she predicted, went viral, she completely choked on her answer. Well, when we what talk does about that traditional mean to you? Right. Could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple times and I just want to make sure we're on the same page.
5: So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that... Um, so I... This is gonna be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to, re- to- totally reimagine and re- re- redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, sorry, I, it's, it's hard to explain in a 15 second soundbite.
0: This became the occasion for all kinds of different people to air their own views about wokeness. Not surprisingly, many seized on Mandel's flub to insist that there is no such thing and no real danger posed by wokeness on the left. So in today's installment of our series, Woke Idiocy versus the Revolution Humanity Needs, we are going to show just how wrong this is. Woke insanity is real, and it is doing tremendous damage. It is disorienting and paralyzing huge numbers of people, especially students and youth, who urgently need to be thinking critically, seeking out the source of the very real and intensifying white supremacy, male supremacy, destruction to this planet, and imperialist wars that are built into this system and to the real solution to all this in an actual revolution. Ironically, despite very different political programs and visions of the world that they each hold, this wokeness has a lot in common with the fascists. And as Bob Avakian has insightfully analyzed, the two actually reinforce each other, even as the fascists are far more dangerous and pose the far greater threat to humanity's future and are carrying out much greater violence right now and preparing for an actual civil war. Let's take apart three key dimensions of how this is so and take a lead from Baba Vakian on what is needed instead. First, the wokesters and the fascists both take up an epistemology that is a framework for understanding what is true that denies objective reality. Both insist that the truth is whatever they say it is or whatever serves their political objectives. This is not just unscientific. This is aggressively anti-scientific. Think about it. The fascists still insist that the 2020 election was stolen. Their ranks are chock full of unthinking Christian fascists Who deny the basic fact of evolution, and they include QAnon conspiracy theorists convinced that Hillary Clinton and Tom Hanks are running a child sex ring. All the mountains of evidence that disprove their fantastical theories? Dismissed as fake news. For their part, the wokesters often speak to real phenomenon, such as the oppression of black people, but their view of how you find the truth shares a lot with these fascists. The wokesters insist that there is no truth. There are just different narratives for each individual or each identity group. We've all heard this a million times. You have your truth. I have my truth. She has her truth. The wokesters openly argue that there is no such thing as objective reality. Tema Okun, for example, in a paper that is widely wielded by these wokesters, openly classifies objectivity as part of white supremacy culture. This wokeness shuts down any substantive debate over what's true, insisting instead that only those who directly experience oppression, or as they like to call it, marginalization, can understand what it is or what should be done about it. Others are told to check their privilege, shut up, and just follow behind whoever is deemed to be the most marginalized, with no real consideration for where they are leading. As Bob Avakian put it in his piece, BIPOC leadership, there is no such thing. Quote, of course, people who are oppressed have a lot to say about the effects of that oppression, and that is obviously important. But understanding where the oppression comes from and what to do about it requires most fundamentally taking up and applying a scientific method and approach to dig down to the underlying causes of things. And it is that scientific method and approach that will enable people, whatever their identity, to lead things where they need to go. All this points to this crucial fact. What is of really decisive importance is not what identity people may be part of, but what is the content of their ideas and programs. And if those ideas and programs are taken up and followed and implemented, what would this lead to? Second, both the wokesters and the fascists are trying to make the system of capitalism imperialism work to their own advantage. The fascists have grown out of and are a hideous concentration of the ugliest and most defining qualities of the system of capitalism imperialism as it has developed here in America. Its foundational and unresolvable white supremacy, its vicious male supremacy, its anti-immigrant xenophobia, and its celebration of American supremacy. They are a response by a powerful section of the rulers of this country to the profound crisis their system is facing. And they are moving rapidly to shred norms, ransack fundamental rights of the people, and remake society in the service of their gruesome mega program. For their part, the wokesters have a political program of striving for inclusion and representation of the so-called marginalized within the system of capitalism imperialism and wokesters attempt to force any opposition to injustice into the service of this objective, often very directly insisting that it is them, or those who look like them, who should get hired, get published, or get elected to power as the ultimate goal. This has led, and can only lead, to masses of people getting played again and again. Seriously, on this 20-year anniversary of the illegitimate, unjust, immoral war on Iraq, Do you really think it makes one shred of difference to the Iraqis whose homeland was invaded and bombed and millions displaced that Colin Powell, who played a decisive role in lying the US into that war in the first place, was the first black secretary of state? We don't need new inclusive faces atop this murderously oppressive system. What is needed instead is to seek out the roots of oppression in this system itself and fight to end this oppression for everyone all over the world by overthrowing this system and building a radically different system and new world. Third, this fascist lunacy and woke insanity overlap in their morality. Both are willing to trample people and their rights in the service of their goals and both in different ways are fighting for their share of American privilege. The fascists are fighting for the forgotten white male to regain his place atop the American empire, lashing out against any rights that have been gained by black people, by women, by LGBT people or others. In the service of this goal, they are using the power of the state to trample the rule of law, to steal the right to abortion, to terrorize trans youth, and they are unleashing violent mobs against anyone standing in their way. For their part, the wokesters use social media mobs to tear people down and cancel them, depriving them of public platforms, getting them fired, ruining their reputations, often for minor or completely subjective reasons and often simply on the word of someone from among an oppressed group who accuses them of some transgression. Meanwhile, these wokesters insist that they themselves be guarded against any triggering phenomenon, sheltering in safe spaces that hide from the real world, not only ignoring but indulging in the privilege that comes from living in the usa a country whose wealth and power rests on brutal exploitation and oppression throughout the world backed up by the massive violence of the american military so to be clear once again it is the fascists that are by far doing the greater damage and who pose the greater threat to humanity's future but this wokeism is an enormous straitjacket on many including especially youth and students who urgently need to be standing up against and fighting this fascism as part of getting organized for a real revolution. And the more extreme and lunatic the expressions of this wokeness become, the more they are giving fodder to the fascists to seize on. Hardly a day goes by that Fox News doesn't feature some lunatic wokeness gone wild to whip up their fascist base to wage their war against any and all calls for a more just society and world. The danger of this dynamic is captured well, even if in a way that itself embodies anti-trans bigotry in a tweet from a fascist former congressman from Iowa, Steve King, that Bob Avakin has highlighted in several of his talks. Quote, folks keep talking about another civil war. One side has about 8 trillion bullets, while the other side doesn't know which bathroom to use. King is pointing to the actual real possibility of civil war and mocking the way in which this woke stuff is totally disarming those who will be the targets of it. We cannot allow this dynamic to continue. Our side desperately and urgently needs to completely break out of this wokeness and any defensiveness in the face of it and take up the serious struggle to understand and change this world, the real world, in the interests of humanity as a whole. To that end, these words from Baba Bacon in his piece, Something Terrible or Something Truly Emancipating, provide direction and leadership. Instead
1: of staying in your lane and going for self, I stay in my lane. Always put you first. While this system is moving to even more decisively crush any hope for a world worth living in, people need to be looking at the bigger picture. Focusing on the greater interests of humanity and the possibility for a far better world and acting to make this a reality. Instead of snarking and sniping at each other and being divided by identities, people should be working to unite everyone from every part of society who can be united in the fight against oppression and injustice with the goal of putting an end to this system that is the source of this oppression and injustice.
0: Okay. So that was the voice of Bob Avakian at the end. As I said, we have just a few minutes we've saved here at the end of the show to get your calls in, to react to what we've covered today, to ask questions, to pose differences, to voice agreement, to deepen however you want to come at it. This question of the wokeness, um, gone wild. I like that phrase I used. Um and the harm it's doing. We're talking about the wokeness gone wild and the idiocy and the way it's shutting down critical thought among people who need to be standing up among the decent people. It's, it's understandable, not acceptable, but understandable that fascists deny reality, that fascists use mob intimidation to get their way. Um, but it is unacceptable that this is going on to way too much a degree among the decent people. And it's keeping them from fighting the real enemy, and it's keeping many who would speak out intimidated and silent. So call about that. Call about the interview that you heard from Bob Avakian on the poetic spirit and how central this is to the revolution we need and to what it is to be human and what we need to unleash in in a much bigger way for all of humanity through the struggle now and through the world we're bringing into being. And we also touched on the U.S.'s war crimes in Iraq on this 20th year anniversary and the hypocrisy of this country's media blaring everywhere, the indictment by the International Criminal Court for war crimes of Putin, while the U.S. officials completely uh, ransacked the legitimacy of that court when it accused the U.S. of war crimes. It said, oh, we don't respect this court. Um, I played you the voice of Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, saying exactly that. So we have a question or a comment from one of our listeners. Um, please uh, let us know who you are and and what's on your mind. Yes, Madeline. Madeline, you're on the air. Welcome to the Michael Slate Show.
6: Oh, it's me? Okay. Um, I, I thought woke
1: just sort of meant aware of the needs of others rather than sort of big label and it seems like don't make allies into enemies. I remember in the movement in the sixties it was like my way or the highway a lot. So I'm mm. wondering that's that's
0: about it. All the best. Well Madeline I, I, I thank you for that comment and I think it is important to make a distinction between the word woke and the way many used it historically and still do, which as you said means just to be aware. Um, in particularly of racism, but not only. And in that sense, it's absolutely uh, a different phenomenon. But I think there's no denying that there is a woke fanaticism, which is anti-rational, which is precisely um, the culprit of, of, of shutting down discussion and debate. And that's what I'm calling out. It's one thing to say I have a different program on how we get free. I have a difference with the substance of your argument. But what we're seeing instead is way too much people saying you have no right to speak. You need to be silent unless you're directly experiencing oppression. And it is it is paralyzing people to look scientifically at what we're facing, and to forge the unity we need to stand up against it, including through openly and with principle and substance debating our different understandings and trying to get to what's true. Um, so I think that's an important distinction to make. We have Nancy from Brentwood.
6: Yes, uh, that first car stole part of my thunder. But um, yes, uh, I, did, I found out something about the history of the word woke. Uh, there's a black folk singer, I thought it came from the hip-hop movement myself, and it was, was to be aware. In fact, that was the earlier word, to be conscious, to be aware, but they never dragged that word so much on the dust as woke seems to be dragged. But there was a folk singer who said something like, you've got to have your eyes open, you've got to be woke. And then a lot of the later folk singers in the 40s, you know, the guy, I can't remember these, their names, the one who said, this guitar kills fascists. Mm-hmm. they were great admirers of that that earlier folk singer of the 30s who was black but uh, coming to now the, the word woke is just simply a, a sort of street uh, you know it's it's become sort of a street that came out of the streets at least when the word came back <laughs> uh and in, in the uh, you know 20 you know 14 maybe around there when some of the people were starting to be murdered a lot by the police and that's when i started hearing that word and to me, it was just you know all the hip hop artists started using that word. and It was just meant to be conscious, to have your eyes open. So it very much comes out of the art scene, uh, and so it's just sad that you have right wing groups and maybe I don't know maybe some left wing groups too or groups that call themselves left, uh, you know, dragging that word in the dust. And we can't just be fighting over language, you know. Yeah,
0: I, Nancy, I think um, what we're facing though is is something that is developed into a, a package on the left among the so-called progressive that is not the historic. I mean, language evolves and, and, and patterns and behavior evolve as well. And so um, I'm not so much uh, having a fight over language as I am criticizing the phenomenon of bullying and anti-rational shutdown culture, cancel culture, um, you know, right now, if, if you go to a college campus or you're in the reproductive rights movement and you use the word woman, you're criticized and often accused of being a transphobe because you're supposed to speak only of people with uteruses or menstruators. I'm talking about this kind of idiocy that is substituting word changing for struggling to change the world. Are you with me?
6: I, I'm just trying to say it shouldn't, it shouldn't be around the word. It should be on those behaviors that you just mentioned
0: okay all right well thank you for calling nancy i'm going to squeeze in one more call mike from burbank
2: hi thank you for taking the call i was just flipping channels and i started hearing you and i found you to be one of the most insightful voices on uh, current cultural uh issues that i've heard in a long time so i wanted to thank you i also wanted to make an observation that uh in, in turbulent times, it's people at the extremes who drive the narrative, uh, and that is one of the problems, how to get the day-to-day people to be more involved and realize that the extremes are going to be extreme, and they lead to solutions that only cause more problems than division. And if you can solve that one, then I think we can get somewhere.
0: Well, Mike, I wanna I want to thank you for... Flipping the channels and sticking around when you found this one. And just so you're aware, my name is Sansara Taylor, and everybody listening, my uh, everybody familiar with this show will know I am fighting for a revolution, which is an extreme solution to an extreme problem. So I'm not so much against um, radical or things that go to the root or things that seem outside the mainstream of public discourse. What I am criticizing is a virulent strain of fanaticism on the left and among progressives that is actually um, aimed at lashing out in revenge against those with a little more privilege rather than looking at the roots of oppression in the system and an actual solution, which is a radically different system brought about through a real— real revolution and lashing out against and shutting down rational discourse and debate over what's true measured against reality, but instead its own kind of fundamentalism with ever permutating standards of wokeness and cancel culture that derives from it. So it's a big conversation. We are out of time. We will keep covering it and save more time for phone calls um, in the coming weeks. Once again, you've been listening to The Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I want to thank you for spending the hour with me. I want to thank Gary Baca for engineering, Henry Carson, assistant producer, all the team at the Revolution Nothing Less Show for the contributions. Remember, the problem is not human nature. It is the nature of the system. Through a real revolution, a better world is possible. I will talk to you next week.
5: praying no more crying look all around us people are starving and dying time for living if